This is the Reds Hot Stove Room. The Reds are on the radio. The Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, JTM Food Group, MSA Architects, Thompson McConnell Cadillac, and by Document Destruction. The Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by... And this one belongs to the Reds! Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Undoubtedly here to see one of the men to my left. And that would be the guy they refer to as the glue from the Big Red Machine. Mr. Doug Flynn in the house. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be back up, Jimbo. The self-promoter that he is wearing his own shirt here tonight. (laughs) Says Doug Flynn, the glue, but actually gave me one. Check this out. I got a hoodie. In my size, that would be fat guy size. I appreciate that. And uh, you're playing hurt tonight because you had a little dental work today, right? You know, I walked in to have a crown replaced from my good friends over at Beaumont Family Dentistry. I told them I'd say that. And they decided that instead of putting a crown on, they just take the whole tooth out today. So, feeling pretty good. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. Also feeling pretty good is our special guest tonight. And uh, this, of course, the Reds Hot Stove League. So, we're going to talk... All things Cincinnati Reds and get you updated on some Cincinnati Reds news. And none better person to do that than he's from MLB.com, one of the Reds beat writers that travels with them and covers them on a regular basis, Mr. Mark Sheldon. Good Good evening, everybody. Hi, Holy Grail. How's your day? Day? Coming right out of the gates with the Suarez mention. (laughs) It makes me feel good. All right, Mark, the uh, winter meetings, they start on Monday in Orlando. Uh, you will be present. Take us through what happens at the winter meetings. There's a lot of, uh, there's some wheeling and dealing that goes on. What do you think is going to happen on the Reds front? On the Reds front, I think they'll kind of keep an eye out on what's going on uh, in the past, whether it's with uh, the current administration with Dick Williams and Walt Jockety, even Wayne Kriske before that. They kind of do a lot of the talking and the negotiating behind the scenes during the winter meetings and then make their moves after the meetings. And I would not be surprised if something like that happens again this year. In the past, like with Walt, they uh, did a lot of talking and then got the Shinsu Chu trade done days after that. Uh, the last day of the meetings a few years ago, they traded Matt Latos and Alfredo Simon. So things kind of, you wait and see what happens, and then deals are struck. Todd Frazier also happened a few days after the winter meetings. Reds did make a transaction today. It was... Um Officially releasing Tim Adam, who's going to pitch in Korea next year. So that 40-man roster is at 38, and the Rule 5 draft is also a part at the end of the winter meetings. you uh, think the Reds perhaps could be busy in that? We know that they were last year. Well, last year they got Stuart Turner, a catcher, and they ended up needing him because of uh, Devin Mazzarocco's injury and with the, uh, p- the paternity situation that they had all the catchers were having babies. Uh I don't know if they'll take someone this year. It's a little harder to, to hide someone on a roster, especially a position player. If they found a pitcher, I would I would think they might take a flyer on someone like that. It's a possibility, but it's 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 really hard unless it's a catcher, which is a very tough commodity to get. Uh, guys are harder to hide on rosters nowadays, even on teams that are either rebuilding or not necessarily expected to contend for the World Series. Every roster spot, especially in the National League, is, is crucial. And taking a Rule Five guy, if it, the right guy comes along when the Reds pick, uh, I think the fifth spot 
they might take somebody. Mark, I was always, in, I don't know if I was impressed or I was amazed that anytime there's a rumor or a story that gets going around at the winter meetings, you all seem to have a pretty good handle on it with, and, and very accurately, I must say. Uh, so there must be a lot of talk that's going on amongst you guys as reporters. And uh, tell me, does uh, the rumors get out pretty quick there? Yeah, nowadays, especially with Twitter and uh, social media and MLBTradeRumors.com is a big one. Of course, we, we do a lot of rumor uh, and information getting. But, you know, Ken Rosenthal and John Heyman and those like the kind of those guys are now in that business. It's like the NFL has, you know, Adam Schefter, and they are in the business of just tweeting out information really quick. I mean, what generally happens is a lot of the teams now don't even spend much time in the lobby. Like it used to be in the older days, you know, you'd see a GM having a beer with another GM in the lobby. But now they can't do that because there's 100 reporters outside basically wondering, what. oh, does that mean the Reds are trading somebody? Yeah. You know? And now they stay in the suites. The reporters generally mill the lobby and, and talk amongst themselves. And then at night when there's more social gatherings, you might seek scouts or – front office types and you can you know break bread and, and maybe get some information or at least just find out what what the thinking is around the meetings you kind of just try to get the buzz of what's going on and that's generally what the time in the lobby spent you're there you know breakfast time till the wee hours well we know that rumors have never been a big part of baseball though. oh no never especially in the hot stove year that's what it's called the hot stove show that's what it's about well the reds uh right now as we speak zach cozart is a free agent uh the bullpen you can always add some pieces there. Uh, it's a young starting rotation for the most part. What do you think the Reds' biggest need is right now in your mind? Would it be perhaps adding a free agent starting pitcher? I think if they could add a free agent starting pitcher that could do the bullpen as well, like a long man, I think in the mold of Scott Feldman was last year, I think that's where they're looking. I don't think you're going to see a top-tier guy, but uh, if they can find someone, that they're, they're pretty happy, though, with what they have. They have... The three guys that were injured last year, they feel they're healthy. And then the the, uh, the young guys that they really were impressed with, like Luis Castillo, Sal Romano, Robert Stevenson, and Tyler Malley, they feel like they're in better depth position than they were going into last season. They, they know a little bit more about these guys than they did last year. If the, if the problem is, though, the last two years, injuries have killed this rotation during spring training, and I think it would be good for them, and they know it would be good for them to have a guy that they can count on to pitch seven innings to start if they need them uh, to reach down for that, because that's something they've been exposed with the last couple of years because of the injuries. Well, speaking of those injuries, can you bring us up to date a little bit on what you know about, say, Finnegan and DiSclefani and those guys? Yeah, DiSclefani, I talked to him uh, during Reds Fest, and he, is, he says he's fine. He hasn't picked up a baseball since the instructional league. That's mm-hmm. normal offseason protocol for him. He, he was able to pitch seven innings and 90 pitches uh, on October 5th or so out in Goodyear, and he said he felt great, he, and he – needed five of those those five instructional league starts, it gave him kind of some peace of mind to know that he can go into the offseason and feel good. He thinks he's got the elbow issue behind him. Obviously, instructional league is a lot different than Great American Ballpark, but if he's able to do and feel that good going into the offseason, have his normal offseason, he feels like he can come into the spring training and be ready to be back to normal. And I talked to Finnegan right before the season dispersed, and he said his shoulders were back to normal. He had obviously had two injuries and uh, that killed him but uh, he expects to be ready to go and homer bailey should be ready to go good deal tell you what we've got a live mic here at the holy grail banks and we're going to open up the questions to you guys coming up and uh we're going to break uh the norm here we're going to go to it early uh sir what is your name and where are you from (laughs) Uh, my name is richard williams and i'm from cincinnati i work in baseball Wow. Really, what do you do in baseball? 
I work for the Cincinnati Reds. Were you at concessions or what, ground, what ground department? Ground crew or something maybe? I work in the front office. Oh, okay. Really? Wow. You must know some people then. See, let me put this together. Richard Williams. It's Dick Williams, the president of baseball operations and the general manager for the Reds. Now, Mark, how did you feel about answering these questions with the general manager standing right here? I was trying to read his mind and, and maybe give the answers that he might have given if he was up here, but I was definitely looking over that way. And I've, I've talked to him a few times this offseason to get a read of what they want, and I feel like I was pretty accurate. Well, was, I, was I accurate? He's doing well so far. Here's your chance, though. We're always grilling you, so you've got the mic. Any yeah, my question, question you want. tonight, a lot of times people ask questions about the front office and what we're going to do. My question tonight is about the guys that cover the front office. <laughs> I wanted to know what Mark thinks of the journalistic coverage that the Reds receive and if he thinks um, if there was one article to be written about the Reds, which beat writer would he pick to write that article Ooh. and why? Wow. Well, I'd have to pick myself, wow. right? <laughs> yeah, I like that's it. A good, that's a good one. But I, I, let's put this way. If the Reds are ever breaking news and have a huge story, I hope it's me that's writing that story, right? Um, Indeed. But I, I would definitely say we have a, a very good media market. I think uh, the Inquirer guys, Zach Buchanan and, and Trent Rosecrans, do a fine job. I, I enjoy them on a personal level. Actually, I saw a movie today with Zach. And, you know, it's it's – it's a it's a good traveling beat. Uh, John Fay, as you guys remember him from the Enquirer, still works for uh, WCPO.com, and we enjoy having him around. And and a lot of other people in, in the TV side. It's it's a I think it's a good market. It's obviously not like the New York markets or Boston markets where you have ten beat writers traveling around, and every single player has a crowd around them at all the times. It's a little more casual, a little more intimate. But I also think you, we get more information, and I think players are a little more comfortable talking to us. Well, Richard Williams, that was an outstanding question, young man. <laughs> and thank you very much. I think this guy's got a shot. He's got a, that, he's got a, he may have a, he may he's, have a future. He's got, he's got a future. And uh, more live mic questions coming up. I'm Jim Day. We're with Doug Flynn and Mark Sheldon from MLB.com. And you're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser. <laughs> You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, live from the Holy Grail Banks. We are presented by Budweiser. Alongside Doug Flynn, I'm Jim Day. Our special guest right now is from MLB.com. He is Mark Sheldon, and as Mark knows, the gift of the holiday season and the Reds' holiday gift packs are on sale right now, starting at only $40. The gift pack includes four ticket credits, good towards any combination of games next season. Plus, you get a new limited edition luxury throw blanket. Featuring the Great American Ballpark Skyline. You can purchase your Reds holiday gift pack today at the Reds kiosk located in the Kenwood Town Center or at Reds.com slash holiday. Some restrictions apply. All right, let's continue to talk baseball with Mark. And uh, the infield. This guy knows a little bit about the infield. Former Gold Glove winner Doug Flynn. Uh, Shortstop. Right now, as we mentioned in the first segment, Zach Cozart is a a free agent. Uh, If they were to hit... Spring training right now, uh, it would be Peraza's job. Yes. Uh, Reds are hoping that he's going to make a leap forward. Do you believe that he can be an everyday major league shortstop? I think he can hit every day in the major leagues, even though he struggled in the first half when he had the job at second base. But he did come on in the second half uh, when Zach Cozart was injured and he got some more chances. He drew more walks. He seemed to get on base more. He was able to get his hits, and, and he was more selective. And I think... Based on that, he does have a chance to be an everyday guy. I think it would be helpful if they got a backup shortstop just in case. The one thing they need this winter and they should be looking at at the winter meetings is 
a guy that can play shortstop every day if something was to happen to Peraza because they don't want to put Suarez from third to short and make kind of a makeshift thing. He's doing so well at third. They don't want to have to shoehorn him into shortstop. So I think it's Peraza's job, but there really is no other guy that's like close behind him, and I think they would need someone. But I, I think they feel pretty good about having him going into into the into 2018. Yeah, I think one of the the reasons that a lot of people are not as excited about him is because he's a little unorthodox when you see him field a ground ball at shortstop. He's got a great arm, uh, but he's not the conventional shortstop. Like, Kozark has really spoiled you because he makes everything look so natural and so easy. Uh, I kind of, myself, would like to see him at second, but then where are you going to do a Scooter Jeanette? Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know, but I agree with you, Mark. I think they need somebody who they know can be solid, especially on the defensive end. If he doesn't hit, that's not as near as important as somebody's going to make the every, play every day. I was going to say the one wild card situation on this is that possibly not necessarily to open the season, although he's certainly going to try for a spot, is Nick Senzel. He has a shortstop experience. He's obviously been a third baseman in, in the minor leagues and mostly at University of Tennessee, but he can also play shortstop. I think he more projects to be a second baseman. I don't know if he's defensively the shortstop of the future, but they do have a few choices if, yeah. if it doesn't work out. And you said Scooter Jeanette, he might be the second baseman, and they just need to find a place for Senzo to play, and then maybe that is shortstop. If he can hit, he's going to find a place to play, yeah. I would think. You actually read my mind. That was my next question. Uh, when they drafted Senzel and he was uh, playing so well in the minor leagues, everyone was thinking, well, what does that mean for A. Eugenio Suarez at third base? Um, are they going to trade him? Are they going to try to move him? He was also a shortstop. Um, he was a shortstop when they traded for him. Right. Uh, he played so well that now they're talking about moving Senzel yeah. to second base, maybe shortstop, even the corner outfield spots. Um, we talked to Buddy Bell. He says he's seen him play and thinks he can do it. So um, good enough athlete. But to start the season, it's that contra- contractual thing. Yeah. of getting an extra year of service time for a smaller market club. Could you see him making the club out of spring training? I think he starts at AAA Louisville personally. Yeah, I do too. he does something really amazing in, mm-hmm. in Goodyear. But, I mean, he I talked to him, and, of course, as a player, he's going to camp trying to make the team. He's not going to go there and, and just expect to go to Louisville. So I, I give him credit for that. It's just really a question of, A, finding him a place to play where there's enough at-bats, if there was an injury to Suarez or an injury to Jajent and he was playing well enough at camp, I could see him opening the year. That's probably the way he would do it. But otherwise, I think some time at AAA Louisville wouldn't hurt him. He, last year, he split the, the, the year in high A and double A. So going to AAA would not be the worst thing in the world for Nick Senzel. Senzel. And we'll see what happens. But I think you'll see him in the Reds uniform in the major league some point in 2018. You know, when you go to spring training, though, I, I think that they ought to take – a look. I mean, here's a kid that's everywhere he's been, he's impressed. He's played well defensively, offensively. I look back at over the years, some of the kids that have come through spring training that maybe didn't get the look that we, that you would think they might get, like a D.D. Gregorius. I mean, the kid was there, and then all of a sudden, you know, look at him now. He's a star now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid played well because you had somebody already in that position that you wanted. So when I look at Senzel, I, the way he swings the bat and conducts himself and the poise that he has, I'd give him a pretty darn good look. But I'm like you. I wouldn't want to move Suarez up to I, this. I wouldn't move Suarez either. No, I mean, he had a gold glove caliber third base, yeah, I thought. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to move him because then you're going to weaken several positions. Leave him there. If, if Sinzel can play second, now you got to battle at second. And like you said, if you can hit, they're going to find somewhere for you to play in the field. In the outfield, uh, 
we've obviously seen Adam Duvall over the last couple of years. Uh, Billy Hamilton, one of the best defensive center fielders in the game, has some a ways to go offensively still. We saw the emergence of Scott Shebler and Jesse Winker at the end of the season. So you're going into camp as we sit here now with four outfielders. That's going to be tough to divvy up playing time, is it not? Yeah, it could be tough. They, with you know, Winker obviously showed he belongs here, and he's not going back to AAA that I know of anytime soon. And they'll figure it out. The the, the one easier, so-called easier way to figure it out is to trade one of those outfielders. If uh, I think Adam Duvall especially has a good trade market. There's teams out there that are specifically looking for a right-handed hitting left fielder, namely Oakland. It seems like a, that would be a fit. However, if they don't trade him and they want to keep him because he's a good player. Uh, they'll have to find a way to do a rotation thing where they'll, they'll have Brian come up with a way to get all these guys 120 games or whoever doesn't play on a given day is the top bench option. If you know, having last year the bench and the year before the bench wasn't the strongest thing on the team, having a Scott Shebler or Adam Duvall or even Billy Hamilton come off the bench isn't the worst thing in the world to have happened. Uh, but they do have to find a way to get Jesse Winker regular playing time, and if they have to rotate things around to make it happen, they will. I don't, let me tell you what I would do right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Since I have he's abs- rolling up his look out. I he's have absolutely no up pull whatsoever. But this is what I would do. I would I would call up Brett Butler, who lives in Arizona, and I'd say, Brett, I need you for about a month, month and a half. And I take him to the ballpark every day. Bunning, and right? I take him out with Billy. Brett's one of the best. But he get 35 bunt base hits a year. Yeah. So I take him with Billy and say, here's if you're going to be successful in this league, you're going to have to learn to bunt. Because Brett was, it didn't care where you played him. He could drop it on a dime. If Billy would do that with his speed, and he has better speed than Brett did, there's another 35 hits that he's going to get a year, which is another 70 points on your batting average. And then that puts him on base. So uh, just saying, if that was up to me. I'm assuming you have his cell phone number. You start working on it. I got him on speed dial right here. We'll we'll talk to that guy, uh, Richard Williams, we had on (laughs) earlier on in the show. We've got more to come. Can you stick around? You good to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pounding a sandwich here I'm at the Holy Grail Bank. Let, let me help you there, Mark. Yeah, there we go. I'm All right. Cry. Sorry about that. We got more with Mark Sheldon and the glue, Doug Flynn, coming up. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser. Red Hot Stove League is back, live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser. You can enter Scooter's sweepstakes for your chance to win Scooter Jeanette's Yamaha Zuma 125 Scooter. That's the one-of-a-kind scooter that was presented to Scooter by the Reds in recognition of his four-home run, 10-RBI game on June 6th. A scooter turned around and donated that back to the Reds, and only $10 per entry. See official rules at reds.com slash scooter. All proceeds benefit the Reds Community Fund. I'm Jim Day with Doug Flynn and from MLB.com, Mr. Mark Sheldon. Um, we talked about um, the offseason, the doings of the offseason, the Shohei Otani sweepstakes going on, the player from Japan. And a lot of people said, oh, the Reds don't have a prayer. And he's out of the, the Reds are out of those sweepstakes. But only four teams didn't make a push for this guy. So it's one of those things that you've got to t- overturn every stone, even the big ones, correct? Yeah. The Reds, going back to September 
were working on this. Dick Williams especially uh, was working on it. He went to Japan uh, the first week of October to watch him play in Sapporo, watch his last game of the year. And he wanted to show that the Reds are now in business in Asia, something the Reds have never signed a Japanese player before. And they wanted to kind of show, hey, that they're in business. And what made this guy different was is unlike Ichiro or Hideki Matsui, he was under 25 and he was subject to some more stringent rules, which meant money was not the top factor. He was going to get the, the $300,000 of the most the Reds could offer. There was the posting fee that went to his club, the, uh, the Ham Fighters. That was $20 million. But in general baseball terms, this was not going to be an expensive signing, and they could have had, if, if he wanted to come to Cincinnati, they, Reds could have made it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, it looks like he was a, may choose a small market team after all, but he does seem to prefer the West Coast. Uh, but the Reds made an effort. Uh, they didn't get to the, the finish line, but I think that's something they're going to try to do in future signings with Japanese players. They want to show they're open for business in Japan, and if another player sees uh, something they like over here, maybe they'll, maybe they'll come over. One, I like it when you say $20 million wasn't really big money in today's terms. <laughs> today's terms, I wish <laughs> I had $20 million for myself. But no. Tell me about it. And then the second one, did he pretty much eliminate the East Coast teams because he wanted to stay west? It sounds like west. it. I mean, the only team that was east of the Mississippi that is on his list still is the Cubs. And obviously the Rangers are not a West Coast team, but they play in the West a lot. But uh, the teams that seem to accommodate him are the two of the ones to watch are the Peoria, Arizona spring training teams, the Padres and the Mariners. And I, I have to think in my own mind that the Mariners are the front runner, not only because of their location, big Japanese population, the fact that yeah. they've had Ichiro already kind of blaze this trail, mm-hmm. but they can also use him as a DH. And that's, that's one thing the Reds couldn't do is they, he could pitch for the Reds, but then it was going to be a pinch hitter, a DH in interleague games on the road, or an outfielder. And that's, that's kind of what they were looking at. So I think he, there's some more flexibility in Seattle for him. When you look wow. at the Reds' bullpen, um, talking to manager Brian Price, there's going to be a heck of a battle for those rotation spots, which we'll talk about coming up. Um, but he had said that some of these young pitchers that don't make the rotation are going to be bullpen guys. Right. Um, and a lot of people, I think, are happy to hear that because let's if – they're in the competition for the rotation. That means it's some of your best arms in the organization. Why not have some of your best arms at the major league level, even though it might be out of the bullpen? Well, right now, the front runners that we've talked about, we mentioned earlier, was the three veteran guys in Finnegan, Bailey, DiSclefani, and the four young guys in Molly, Romano, um, Stevenson, and Castillo. So right there, you're, you have too many pitchers as it is. Right. Somebody's going to have to go to the bullpen. And then you look at guys like Amir Garrett, Cody Reed, Jackson Stevens, there's, you know, Curie, Curie Maya came up at the end of last year. There's a lot of young arms that could go in the bullpen that could be suited for that. One guy I think about is Finnegan, mm-hmm. who has bullpen experience, has a closer mentality. I, I could see him fitting in the bullpen very nicely, despite the fact that he started pretty well a couple seasons ago. I think they have to exploit that because they're not going to go out in the market and pay millions to, to, on a bullpen guy, that's a spot. Those are spots they can fill from within if they need to, and maybe get a veteran type of guy to supplement what they have. Right now, only two spots are locked in: Iglesias, if he's not traded, and Wandy Peralta. So they they definitely need some bullpen uh, depth. Mark, are they in a position right now where they could tell these guys before spring training this is what they're looking for them to do? Or are they going to have to be on a wait and see to see how guys are throwing, how they're feeling? I think they have to wait and see. If you remember in the past. Guys like Michael Lorenzen would go to spring training as a starter and compete to start and then wind up in the bullpen. Aroldis Chapman did that for the first couple of years he was here. There's nothing wrong with stretching yourself out and becoming a bullpen piece. If nothing else, it helps the team in the early part of the season when starters don't go as long and you can have a reliever go two innings. 
So I think it, it, it behooves them to have as many guys as they can in the starter pool, watch how the performances go, and then weed them out as they go, and then figure out who's in the bullpen. Last year that happened with Stevenson and Cody Reed. They competed to be rotation guys. They opened the year in the bullpen. You mentioned the possibility of the trading Rysel Iglesias. I'm going to pick your brain on that. Coming up, more to come. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser. Back on the Reds Hot Stove League, we're live on the Holy Grail Banks. We're presented by Budweiser. I'm Jim Day. Doug Flynn in the house, the glue, and our special guest, indeed. Let's hear it for the glue. Thank you. Thank glue. you. Glue, self-promoter that he is. You know how that happened, don't you? How did this happen? Well, I mean, a lot of people are coming up and saying, why would you want to be such a self-promoter, namely Johnny Bench? Well, say, <laughs> I don't want to drop any names, but... But I told him, I said, let's do a little history lesson, J.B. I said, in 1970, we had to introduce the Great Eight one night when they did one of the statue deals. I said, look at those guys over there. I said, in 1970, they got beat by Baltimore. I said, those same guys in 72 got beat by Oakland. In 73, they got beat by the Mets. 74, they just disappeared. They didn't even show up at the park. 75, I made the team we won. 76, I made the team we won. They traded me in 77, didn't win again. You do the math. There you go. That's so why that's he is the, the glue. But he held it all together. All of these shirts right now, uh, we do sell these, and you can get them at Cincy Shirts, but all the proceeds go to Hope for the Warriors, which helps our military families. So I don't make anything out of them, but it's sure been fun milking this. I tell you, you know that. what? Now that I just found that out, I'm no longer going to say you're a self-promoter. You're supporting the men and women that are serving this country. So Hoorah! You'll never hear that yeah. come out of my mouth again. Thank you, sir. By the way, you mentioned Johnny Bench. He's got a birthday tomorrow, doesn't he? Happy birthday. Johnny Bench tomorrow is his birthday. Can you believe that? Anybody know how old he is? How old? You're exactly right. Go ahead. You say it. John, I'm not saying it. Johnny Bench will be 10 years younger than 80 tomorrow. I was told math was not part of this gig. <laughs> I think I can figure it out. Can you believe out. it? Little Johnny Bench is going to be 70 years old tomorrow. So we want to wish him a happy birthday. He is also a great supporter of our military. No question about that. All right, we're with uh, Mark Sheldon, MLB.com. We've got a live mic. Young man, what's your name? My name is Jared Hoffman, and I have a question for Mark Sheldon. Hi, Jared. Uh, Hello. Uh, Big fan. Thank you. Uh, What do you think the Reds, what do you think their return value will be if the Reds trade Billy Hamilton to say the Giants, who have been leaked uh, asking about what the value is for Hamilton? That's a great question. Uh, Hamilton is a unique player that doesn't have uh, – his skills don't necessarily match up with with what normal baseball is. He's incredible on defense. He's probably one of the best defensive center fielders in all of baseball, even though he's never won a gold glove. He obviously can steal bases fifty over 50 a year for four years. Where he falls short is hitting and leading off especially. He's got like a 299, 298 on-base percentage for his career. Uh, right now, I'd say after the injuries that he had this year, the breaking of the thumb again, and not being able to play in September very much, his value is probably a little lower this year. And I don't think they would get as much for him now as if they maybe wait around and see how he does in the first half. And if they feel like they're not going to be contending anytime soon, or if they feel like he can, he's found a way as a hitter, they might be able to get more for him at the trade deadline. I don't think they would get as much as they would want in the offseason for Billy. Thank you. You're welcome. Mark, along that lines, do you think because he hasn't played 
He's been hurt in the last month of the season. That may have cost him a couple of gold gloves. Absolutely. I, the owner, uh, the managers and coaches are the ones that vote for the gold gloves, and it's gotten better over the years. They used to just, I mean, you may remember Rafael Palmero won a gold glove, and he DH'd the whole year. That's right. The, the, Four the, games. That they're, they're, the coaches and managers are a lot more savvy. They have a lot more uh, sabermetric information at their disposal. However, they do vote. About mid-September, and for the last four years, Billy Hamilton's been on the DL or out of baseball or out of action at least in September due to injuries. His body takes a beating playing center field the way he does it. This year, it was a freak thing. He got hit on a bunt and broke his thumb. Uh, so I think him not being there is a part of it. At the same time, Enders Enciarte, who's beat him the last two years, is a tremendous center fielder. And I know people, of course, around here will say Billy got hosed, but Enciarte is a deserving good. candidate as well. <laughs> no doubt about that. I want to talk about Rysel Iglesias. The the Reds are, I mean, and this is a, a, a tough, could be a tough decision for Dick Williams and his crew. Um, no doubt he would bring you the most in return, in my eyes. Yes. But he turned down arbitration, I guess, so that means he's under team control for a few years to come here. He's got uh, three more years. Yes. Yeah, three years. So if you're on your, the, the plan of attack would be to contend uh, you know, start having a better team this year, and certainly in 19 and 20. And you want to have him at the back end of your bullpen at that time when you're contending again, but you're also rebuilding, and he can bring you the most in return. Definitely. What do you think is going to happen? See, the reason why he's very attractive to other clubs is that contract, besides his being the quality of reliever that he mm-hmm. is, but he's only making, and I say only again in relative terms, $4.5 million coming up this season, $5 million in 19, and $5 million in 20. For the Reds, that's not a huge expenditure. Well, <laughs> every I time know. you mention only I know. four or five million. I know, I'm killing Doug. I'm, I need CPR. But I will say that, you know, in the past when the Reds have had high, high end closers like, you know, Cordero, who's making over $9 million, Chapman, who was making a lot of money. They were a very big luxury for a team that wasn't contending. Iglesias is not as big of a luxury to the Reds, and they are trying to get the rebuilding part behind them, and they are mm-hmm. trying to take that next step. Yeah. And I think they need him to take that next step in that part of the bullpen. They do have guys that could definitely close. I mentioned Finnegan earlier. Someone like Sal Romano could do it. But I, I think they like the fact that Iglesias can give them multiple innings and do a lot of things. Now, if, if the wheels fall off or they find out they're farther away than they think they are, again, the, the, the trade deadline is a, a very good time to make a deal like that. Yeah. They might be able to get more. Uh, but I definitely imagine that Williams and company are going to be fielding a lot of uh, inquiries in their in their red suite this week or next week in Orlando because Iglesias is a guy that a lot of teams would want. But that contract is so good, uh, maybe the Reds may not want to part with him. And looking at this battle for the rotation, if he's healthy, Homer Bailey certainly in there. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure that they can count on it. They're not going to use Penn to put Anthony DiScofani's name in there. He's going to have to show them that he's healthy. He's part of the bonus plan correct? right now. Brian Price said amongst these young pitchers, really Luis Castillo is the only one that did enough. Um, and barring anything unforeseen, he's going to be in there. If right now as we sit here, if they don't sign a free agent starter, you mentioned some names. Tyler Malley, Sal Romano, Finnegan, Stevenson, Garrett, Reed, Rookie Davis. They're giving Michael Lorenzen a shot right. to be a starter once again. You mentioned Jackson Stevens. That's a heck of a competition for two or three spots. It really is. I, mean, I think last year, and maybe to a degree the year before, they were – it was a un- good. It was not a good situation to be in because they were pretty silly saying it was wide open competition and whoever gets it 
gets it. And that's not exactly a, a, a spot you want to be in as a team. You want to kind of have some known quantities. This year they have a few more known quantities, in, especially in Castillo, going into it. Uh, who gets these jobs? I really don't know. It's going to be a crapshoot. Because you can get fooled in March. You can definitely mm-hmm. get fooled in March. Goodyear, I mean, it does favor the hitters, the, you know, the Arizona, the thin air. But at the same time, hitters are a little behind the pitchers. It's going to be tough to see. You also you'll remember injuries, like you said, Di Scalfani has been injured the last two spring mm-hmm. trainings. Homer Bailey's had three elbow surgeries. Finnegan's coming off two shoulder injuries. So you just can't count on anyone to be healthy. You need depth. Some of these guys are going to pitch in the major league. Some of these guys are going to be in the bullpen. Some of these guys are going to be at Louisville. It's, it's as simple as that. How the five come together, I don't know. But what I do know is we're a long way from 2012 when they only needed five starters to get through the whole year. They definitely need more starters to maybe yeah. put this thing together. Well, you look at the physical, just the way these guys, they got some great arms. It's time that a few of them, though, started learning a little bit how to pitch. They've been out there throwing for the last couple of years. You know, 0-2 base hits, you don't you do not do that. You don't give up 0-2 base hits. You get it. Uh, so I think just strictly on physical ability, they've got some guys that can throw. Now, if they can just get these kids to learn how to pitch, I think they've got some really good arms. There's no question. I mean, there were years. I mean, I covered this team in the mid 2000s, where, you know, they were talking about all five. You know, all five spots. Who we're going to have? And there were a lot of reclamation projects. Um, it's it's got to be refreshing for Reds fans to see the resources that are put into the minor league system. Let's face it. If you're in a market like Cincinnati, you better build within. You got to have your own pitching. I mean, I remember a few years ago, I did the. Uh, the Reds team of the, the first 10 years of the decade of mm-hmm. the thing. And the number three starter of that decade was Elmer Descends. Exactly. And that tells you uh, where things have come since then. I mean, Johnny Cueto and Edson Volquez have been around since then, and obviously Harang and Arroyo. But now it's about building young pitching. And that's the only way you, teams that are like the Reds can stay that keep the windows open of contending. They have to keep young guys coming in because pitching is what is the biggest attrition. It's where guys, for whatever reason, fall off. You know, Amir Garrett was great in April, lousy in May, and didn't kind of figure it out again. So you, you just never know, especially with young guys, when it's going to end. And you need to have as many good arms as possible. You know, one thing the Castellini family, they said there were three things they were going to do when they got here, and they're really doing it. They wanted to make the ballpark more fan-friendly, and I think people that go to the games will attest they've done that. They wanted to build up their minor league system, and they've done that. Uh, and the third thing was they were going to bring back the former player to get involved in stuff. I'm so thankful that they did that. <laughs> but there's, a, but it shows you, I mean, they're trying. And what they do in the community is unbelievable. If they had a winning ball club, they could just get these guys to pull together. I'd like to see that one player step up and take a leadership role on this ball club. Not sure who that guy is going to be. But I think every ball club that you look back that's had a winning team has had that one or two guys that have been a leader that everybody could go to, that when they went out on the field, they were going to be the ones that were going to rally guys. They could come to a player and tell him when he wasn't hustling or when he wasn't getting the job done. I'd like to see somebody step up on this club. I think there's a, there's a few candidates in that regard. Um, and one, when you win a gold glove, all of a sudden you got some credentials. And yeah. I think Tucker Barnard can be one of those guys. I agree with you. He owns that pitching staff in the sense that he's not afraid to tell a pitcher what to throw, when to throw it, and, and to c- right. carry them through a game. But he also, I think he's the kind he of guy. He can do it now. He yeah. couldn't have done it last year, exactly. but he can do it now. Now he's, now he's got, got those he's, credentials, he's got man. He's got the credentials, and he's also, honestly, one, he's been around the clubhouse a lot longer than a lot of these other guys, and he's mm-hmm. old enough now 
that he could go to a position player and say, let's go. Yep. And I think players will listen to him. Tucker's a natural And we leader. all need that. You know, and when you're playing, guy. there's days where you get out on the field and you think you're doing the best you can. You think you're hustling. Your teammates will know if you are or not. And you just need somebody every now and then to come by and say, let's go. We'll pick it up a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. And when you see teams that are doing that where it's not the manager, coaches, but it's the teammates themselves doing it, then you're going to have a team that's going to be successful. Mark, we appreciate you being here. Uh, staying with us extra time for the hour. Tell everyone where they can read your stuff because uh, it's on a, during the season it's obviously on a daily basis, and it's my pleasure to travel around the country with you. I'm proud to call you friend now. Thank where can you. they check out your work? I appreciate it. Go to Reds.com, MLB.com, and Twitter, M underscore Sheldon. I have a Facebook page as well. Please like it. And uh, <laughs> all of the above, come on down. i got plenty of content for you. Thank you. Well, on uh, you mentioned Twitter, and today on Twitter, there was just one heck of a picture of Doug Flynn that uh, <laughs> holy, I tweeted holy. out. That uh, I mean, that's a serious head of hair back then. It was the 70s, baby. I had the fro working. I don't I mean, you think the hair looked bad? You ought to have seen the clothes I was wearing. Is that, that Studio was, uh, 54? <laughs> they wouldn't let me in Studio uh, 54. Well, it had to be. I mean, 64, that, whatever it was. That big red machine, boy, they could dress. They could play, but they could dress as well. So you had to step up your game. Being well, from Kentucky, yeah. all of a sudden having to dress all fancy. They got all their stuff for free. We had to pay twelve dollars for our sport coats. <laughs> all right, where can, where can fans follow you, Doug? On Twitter, I don't want them to follow. I, you. No, they're too. No, I don't. Twitter, it's uh, twenty three the glue, and and we're having fun because you're going to see pictures. I just posted a bunch. I just took my lovely bride to New York this week for her birthday. Saw that. Saw the and, lovely uh, Olga. Very lovely Olga. And uh, but we're having a good time. Or you can watch Kentucky Life on KET, and we got a little show. That we do a little television show that comes on every Saturday and Sunday. Well, I appreciate you coming up here, my friend, as well. The next uh, Reds Hot Stove League is Wednesday, December 13th, live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser. Got uh, some specials on Bud and Bud Light buckets at the Holy Grail Banks. Cincinnati's home for sports. Once again, thanks for joining us over the last hour. I'm Jim Day. Uh, my pleasure to be sitting in this seat. Someone with a lot more talent, though, next week will probably be sitting in this very I, I can't spot. imagine who Hard would to believe. No yeah. No, no, no chance. How about a hand for our host, Mr. Jim Day? Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Thank you all for being here. You've been listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser. Budweiser.